Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back. If you listened to last week's episode, you know that we talked about compatibility and how to inventory your compatibility with the people in your life so that you can better predict where conflict might arise. And if you remember, I also explained how compatibility does not just apply to romantic relationships. It applies to all relationships, no matter the type. And compatibility inventories is something you can do for any nature of relationship. That is still very true. However, I'm also aware that actually having that compatibility conversation is much easier said than done and sometimes feels more comfortable in your romantic relationships. So to give you all a real life example of what this conversation can look like, I thought that for our final episode, I would go ahead and inventory my own compatibility with my husband, Gage. So for your example in entertainment, this is season two, episode nine of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. And as always, I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. And I'm Gage. So lucky for me, Gage has agreed to walk through some of the same questions that I asked you guys to walk through last week. But last week, I talked about finding common ground in reference to measuring compatibility. And I want to revisit that for a second because I feel like it might have been a little bit misleading. When I talk about finding common ground or using that to measure your compatibility, that doesn't always mean specifically finding similarities. Sometimes two people are compatible because their differences work together or align with each other in a way that makes both people better. Incompatibility comes when there are similarities or differences that cause consistent clashing of values, ideas, or emotions in the relationship. So I hope that makes a little bit more sense and you'll see examples of this in our relationship as we go through it, I'm sure. But like last week, we are breaking down compatibility into three types, mental compatibility, physical compatibility, and what we call deep compatibility. So if we're starting with mental compatibility, that can be broken down into emotional, intellectual, and conflict. So starting with emotional, do you think that we have a similar level of emotional intelligence and ability to regulate? I think overall, Both of us are good at recognizing when we're in a more emotional state. I think sometimes you're a little bit more of a loose cannon when (laughs) you get emotional, but I think you recognize that too. (laughs) I would agree. So I think when we are trying to manage our emotions, you've had a lot more practice doing that, but I've studied that concept a lot more. So it's like, I know how to do it, but you just do it naturally. And it's harder for me to actually put that into action because I have to think about it. And it's, Funny because, and I tell people this when I talk about conflict coaching, is that Gage was one of the people that kind of helped me see that a level and collaborative communication style was possible. So moving forward, intellectually compatible. Is this still under mental compatibility? Do we find each other intriguing? And do we learn from each other equally? Like you learn from me as much as I learn from you. And Do we find conversation with each other stimulating? Before I hand it over to you, I want to say that this is one of my favorite things about you is that I feel like we can have intellectual, stimulating, almost complicated conversations really casually. 
And I like that because it doesn't have to turn into an argument or be a you versus me. Those are just conversations we want to have. One of the things that connected us first was our intellectual compatibility. We really enjoyed having conversations with each other from the moment we met. And I think that really fueled a lot of the other compatibility points that we have. Yeah, and I, to kind of echo what you said, no, I don't think that we hesitate from challenging each other or the things that we think or conclusions that we've made or anything like that. I think we do a good job at you know, bouncing things off of one another, using each other as sort of a, a soundboard almost. And I know I come up with random stuff to make opinions on. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that you're not afraid to challenge me on that if it doesn't quite align with you or what you think. And that encourages me to dig more, do more research, formulate more of an opinion, really come to a very solid belief or conclusion on something one way or another. Yeah, I feel like we're really good at asking each other questions in a way that's not accusatory. Like if I ask you, why do you feel that way? You know, I genuinely am curious and want you to think deeper about it and want to know if it's something that I don't agree with, why do we think differently about it? And we're not afraid to break those things down. So last section under mental compatibility, conflict. Do we handle conflict in a way that leaves both of us feeling bonded and satisfied and like we've progressed forward? Or we get to some sort of outcome. Do we always tend to feel like one or both of us has lost? I want to let you say what you think. The only thing I'll say is that we've gotten so much better about this. And by that, I mean, I've gotten so much better about this over the course of our relationship. Well, let me start off by saying our relationship is perfect and flawless. <laughs> no, I, that's a good question. I don't think when we have conflict or when we have arguments that I like come away resentful. But then again, I don't feel like when we have an argument that I'm like, yes, I won. You know, like that's not something that I, I don't find that I've ever thought of it like that. I think that's fair. I think that I guilt myself for not handling conflict the correct way more than you guilt me for it. Because like you said, you have never really seen conflict as a win-lose situation. You don't see it that way naturally. And I spent most of my life seeing conflict as a win-lose situation and not knowing how to handle it collaboratively. And if I left feeling like I lost, then that was like a damage to my self-esteem. It was a damage to the relationship because I wasn't in control and I wasn't winning. And that is not at all how I see our relationship. And I feel like part of that's because you don't see conflict that way. So you don't acknowledge conflict in that way. So if I ever did in the beginnings of our relationship acknowledge conflict dominantly or like I was trying to win, you shut down. I think it really confused you when I reacted that way. And I had to learn that there are healthier, more productive ways to handle conflict, which is what I'm trying to teach now. <laughs> I had to learn it myself. So in terms of mental compatibility, we've kind of gone through all those segments that I went through with you guys last week. Um, moving on to physical compatibility. So we'll get the worst one out of the way first. Sexual compatibility. Basically, the question you need to answer is, does the person that your partner chooses to be in intimate moments bring you feelings of excitement 
Or do you find yourself feeling disconnected and having to connect in other ways? While I think there was a time where we were like right in tune with one another, I think that we have been in a super compatible space. I don't think it's like the strongest that we've been right now. I think we do wind up making up for that in other areas because you know, based on the things that I've heard you talking about listening to the season and like hearing the different ways that people can be compatible. I would agree with that. And I think most of it is because we process that kind of excitement differently. And I have to be fully confident in myself and feeling good and feeling powerful and feeling amazing in order to feel like that's a position I want to be putting myself in. But as you know, once we got married, life just kind of started hitting us really hard. And I went through a lot of different things, whether that was things with my body or losing people or the miscarriage. And you've been more than patient with me working through all those things. But it did cause a sort of disconnect there. And I think when that happened, we did a very good job of making sure we both knew that it didn't say anything about how attracted to each other we were. It didn't mean anything about the status of our relationship. You know, I think that's one of the types of compatibility that tends to fluctuate with life. I love you. You're absolutely my best friend. And I didn't decide to spend the rest of my life with you for sexual reasons. You know what I mean? For me, that was like, this is a person that I don't want to go a day without, you know? You consistently support me no matter what. And I love you. Anyway, this one's better. So the second section of physical compatibility is biological compatibility. And in case you didn't know, there are studies that show that humans have biological connections to people that they're biologically compatible with. If you've heard about pheromones, same type of thing. Just think of the five senses. Do you like the way they look? Do you like the way they smell? Do you like the way they sound? Do you like the way they feel? Do you like the way it feels when you hug them or touch them, hold their hand? Do you like the way they taste if that applies to the relationship that you're in? And so just walking through the five senses, do you think biologically that we have those base level compatibilities? Well, I love looking at you. (laughs) Okay, eyes, yes. I really like looking at you. (laughs) Ears, I love your laugh. I like hearing you talk. I've told you even previously, like this season of your podcast, you sound different than you did on season one. And I like, I love that. I think you sound more like you. So I know I recognize when you don't sound like you because I love the way you sound. (laughs) Yeah. Mouth, uh, taste. Yes. Nose. (laughs) Nose smell. I like how you smell. I think the sense that you use too for, you know, your perfumes and deodorants, right? Your shampoo. I mean, I know that's not like pheromone stuff, but I like how you smell typically and then touch is the last one feel yeah Yeah, i like i like hugging you i think you hug me back well the hand holding specifically i'll touch on because that was a bit of like a when we started dating and we're holding hands literally speaking literally holding hands literally holding hands you wanted to put your hand in front of mine and it didn't work i had to flip it and I think that was weird for you at first, but like it just didn't work with my hand behind yours because I was pulling your your hand up. Yeah. I hadn't dated someone that was that much taller than you. Yeah. 
So if I'm going through yours, you know, I love the way you look. I think you're so handsome. I tell you that as much as I can. Your looks have changed so much since I've known you. And I just think that's so funny because we built that emotional connection. And I feel like we became more physically compatible as we spent time with each other and learned what each other likes and stuff like that. Even now, after your looks have changed so much, you still seem like the same person to me. I just, I think you're beautiful. I think you're a beautiful person. Um, Mel, I do. I do like the way you smell. Like you were saying, it not necessarily pheromones. I think our pheromones probably are compatible because I don't really have a ton of complaints about the way that you smell. But I also, I know that you like to run since you pick by me to see if I like them. But usually the ones that you show me that you like, I'm like, yeah, I like that. That smells good. So I think we are pretty compatible there in terms of smells. That's nice. I feel like it would be really hard to be married to someone if you didn't like their voice. You have to hear each other talk all the time. But I do really like your voice. I'm really glad that I get to listen to it for a few hours after this while I edit this episode. It's going to be fun. I really like your voice in the morning because it's like five octaves deeper than it is all the other time. And I just think that's so funny. But yeah, I <laughs> I like the way you taste. Even just like when I kiss your cheek. <laughs> like, this is my husband. <laughs> yeah, I love holding your hand. I think like with the hand holding thing, I had to figure out how to hold a guy's hand who's significantly taller. But other than that, I feel like the touch feel part of our relationship has always been a source of intimacy for us. Like even when we're struggling with things, we can still cuddle when we go to bed. We can still sit with each other on the couch. We can still hold hands in the car. We can still make sure we touch each other's shoulder as we walk by, rub each other's back. Like there's so many physical things that we do that I feel like it's a really good thing that we're very compatible there because that helps us stay feeling intimate. Okay, last part of physical compatibility, interest. For a lot of people, this falls under physical compatibility. It kind of threw me off at first that so many studies put this under physical compatibility because it feels mental to me. But interest is more talking about what you like to go do. Would you end up at the same places? Do you fight about where you're going on date night or do you enjoy doing the same thing? Do you enjoy talking about and doing things that you like together? I want to start off by saying that I feel like the answer to this is very 50-50 for us. It's a Venn diagram. <laughs> and there's a very significant chunk of interests that we share. But we also both have interests outside of that, that if you were outliving your life, it's not something you would care about or be passionate about. And same with me, not something I'd ever show interest in. But I will or I'll try to because I know you love it. But I feel like it is a Venn diagram <laughs> with that chunk in the middle that we definitely share and we take advantage of that. Baseball comes to mind. <laughs> Shoes is another one. We'd both end up in Nike. Yeah, no, like you said, this is not a very one-sided or another answer. I mean, there are obviously things that we share interest in because that's why we were friends to begin with. We were friends for two and a half years, so obviously there are common interests there. I think the interests shared have always... I, I think it's more than 50% are our interests shared. I'm just thinking like when we go out of town, like we are interested in going and trying restaurants and seeing what local beer is like, where can we go with the dogs, you know, like, of course, things like baseball come to mind. Like you had mentioned shoes. We send each other shoes on Instagram from the Nike app. I've 
bought you shoes when I went at Sneakers Draw. We'll go hit shoe stores when we're in Kansas City. On top of that, too, like travel. You know, we both like to go places, especially if it means seeing friends while we're there. But then again, we also have like interests that are not compatible. I have my hobbies, like my toys, collectible stuff you know, that is not in your wavelength. And that's why it's all packed into one room in the house. It's full of all your favorites. It is. And I love that room. I think I am more into like the eclectic collection of things. And then you are more into building a a family home space. Right. The things that I have, I want them to contribute to how I feel. Yeah. And I like to have fun stuff. <laughs> I would be hitting flea markets like all the freaking time. Yeah. Right. I think you'll yeah. do it mostly to accommodate me. I I believe, at least I want to believe that <laughs> nowadays maybe you do find a little bit of joy in that depending on the day. I don't mind going. It's just not something I think about wanting to do. Right. Cuz I like to look for the unknown yeah. and that's not your thing. <laughs> and I think the same thing goes for when we do travel, say, not to go see a friend, I think I'm there more so just to see what happens while we're there. And that's not you at all. That is not why I'm there. No, that's not why you're there at all. So So physical compatibility, I think, of the three main types, mental, physical, and deep. I think physical compatibility is probably our lowest. But I think in terms of success in a relationship and how we manage it, I don't think that really affects us as deeply as it could. I think we do a really good job of keeping that known and being aware of that and trying to work on it consistently without negatively affecting other parts of our life. Yes, I would absolutely agree. And I think that's because we were friends for a very long time before even trying to date Mm -hmm. or considering that an option. Mm -hmm. So I don't think even from the get-go, as much as I think we are in general physically compatible, it didn't initiate our relationship. Again, it goes back to like the the interest part is like a weird thing to include in physical. I agree. Because the interests were absolutely there from the beginning, but the rest of the part of the physical was not the spark of the relationship. Right. And I think I think those things that you were trying to get at, the things that initially catapulted our relationship forward and kind of helped us open that door and say, okay, we've, you're a very important person in my life. Is a romantic relationship the next step we need to be taking or not? I think a lot of that comes down to the deep compatibility parts of this, like nurture, how we were raised, what we see for the future, our vision, and spirituality. Those are all deep compatibility. So that said, starting with nurture under deep compatibility, do you feel like we were raised similarly? What are the values that were instilled in us as children, teenagers, young adults? things we've gone through and experienced all of those things play into the nurture part of how we grew up so do you think that that lines up for us i think a very slim part of nurture for us aligns i think a small part of the nurture is a bit of a similar value system but i think we got there very different ways and i think that might be for the better I think I agree in the sense that I believe our parents agree with each other on a lot of things, but I don't think they parented us the same. And I don't think they believe those things for the same reasons because the way they were raised is very different from each other. 
And obviously, like the parents are who raises us, and that's where we get our values from, at least in the beginning of our life. And then as we get older, we get to kind of decide how we want to be, which of those things you want to retain and which of those things we want to restructure or reject. And that's part of becoming an adult. But I think that plays more into vision in terms of specifically nurture, the things that we've gone through, the specific values we were raised with and how those were expressed outwardly to us and for us and displayed for us. Very different. Very, very different. But then, like I said, envision it's what do you see for the future do you want the same things are you willing to grow together to make those things happen what do you see your future priorities being and do they match up and on that i would say we are very compatible and that's a very distinct difference and i think our vision is similar to the way we were raised but because there were so many differences in the way we were raised we kind of had to come together and develop a vision of for us specifically for our marriage yeah no i agree i think as far as the vision goes for me, my goals ultimately boil down to flexibility and discretion almost. The way that I was raised, there were very limited opportunities for my parents to use discretionary income. Yeah. And those opportunities were almost strictly like vacations, which I complained about one time and got a very, very stern <laughs> reality check from my mom. And, like, I'm glad that I got that, right? Like, that's probably why I do try to just absorb experiences now because, I mean, I must have been in middle school, early high school or something like that. And we had taken a trip to Florida. And at the end of the summer, I was like, eh, summer was fine. (laughs) And, man, I got got a a stern talking to for that one. That being said, I I didn't have an uncomfortable childhood. You know what I mean? My parents put me and my sister through private school. Right. And, and that also- was their discretion. Right. But as far as the flexibility goes by that, I think I mostly mean time. And that's something that I absolutely have learned over the last few years is super important to me because growing up, my parents always had time for us. They my parents were always at my games. And that was not something that I ever recognized necessarily as an important thing. But as I have grown up. I can see how difficult that that could have been. The last three or four years have been eye-opening for me in, you know, how much time I'm spending at work. I mean, if my future children were to have games or practices in the evenings or Saturday mornings, that would have been pretty much not feasible for me to attend. Yeah, I would. I think I agree. I think some of that is part of what we have in common because... I was also raised in sports. My mom hardly missed a game. There was one basketball game she missed, and it was the worst game of my life. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sorry, mom. And I know she hated not being there, too. It was a whole miserable thing. And so my mom always being there, especially with my history of having epilepsy, and my mom also worked at the K-12 school that I did K-12 at. So my mom was always there. And that's something we kind of had in common. Your parents always made that time for you. My mom was always there no matter what. I feel like there's probably been, of course, phases where I've taken that for granted or not fully appreciated that. But I always knew that that was special. I was surrounded by people whose parents couldn't make it to games. And the kicker there is that my mom was also a very important person in all of those people's lives. And I spent the first 17, 18 years of my life sharing my mom with everybody I knew. I wasn't upset to do that, but that 
is a very different experience than the cohesive unit of a family that you grew up in. The type of attention we got was very different. And that plays into your vision for your future, who you are, what you want, what you don't want. And so I think regardless of how we ended up there, our vision aligned now. And that's what's important. Okay, last one. Still under deep compatibility. This is our last little segment here. Spiritual. Do we share values in religion, spirituality, virtues? Do we differ in our most deeply held opinions about the world and who we are? Or do we admire each other's core identity? I don't think this is a hard one for us. I think this is one of the things we initially bonded over. This is one of the things we still bond over. One of the things that helps our intimacy, one of the things that helps every other part of our relationship. Yes, I I agree. As far as world outlook, I think we both agree. Like we want to leave the world better than how we found it. For you, that is conflict coaching, yeah. <laughs> teaching teaching people what you've learned and, and to help them improve their relationships with everybody around them because right. that's something that not a lot of people get and people haven't gotten, especially like in a time like this where so many people are so angry at other people, just there's a lot of conflict in the world and a lot of people have no idea or have no interest in resolving it effectively, yeah. right? For me, I just want to like instill joy. Yeah. You know, I, I think life is hard. Being an adult is a challenge. So I think for me, I just want to help people smile like yeah. help people laugh, whatever that looks like. If I can make somebody smile, then that's a good day. Yeah. And you do that well. Appreciate I think that. that's something you're really good at. Thank you. And the second part, like religiously, we both identify as Christians. I don't always know if we're on the exact same page as far as what that means for us personally. Yeah. But I do think that we each have our own relationship with God. Yeah. And I think that we both value the idea that you love your neighbor as yourself. We both had our struggles with a church in particular in college, and I know that you had issues with that when you were growing up, and I had my own set of issues with churches that I went to growing up, and those issues and those experiences have molded us, I think, to be in a very similar place as far as our religious beliefs go. And the last piece being valuing one another, I, I mean, I, I don't think I can speak highly enough of who I think you are and the things that you are doing and the kind of person that I know that you are becoming. Maybe this part doesn't go on video because we're both crying. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, we talk about this stuff all the time. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I would absolutely agree with that. I truly, truly admire the person that you are. I think it wouldn't matter how you looked or who your family was, or any of those other things. Don't get me wrong. I think you're incredibly handsome, and your family's the best. They're really freaking awesome. But those things are not the part of you that makes me love you the most. I love you for actually who you are on the inside and what your core is. And in terms of the religion thing, I absolutely agree. I don't even know if I've talked about it on the podcast before or not, but... I mean, I love Jesus. I love God. I feel the Holy Spirit in me daily. But our individual relationships with God, the logistics of those are very different. I have to wake up every morning and do my prayer time and do my devotionals and spend quiet time. The routine helps me keep that a consistent part of my life. But I feel like you are much better at 
witnessing God in action and acknowledging that and like turning to prayer when something happens. And so we kind of fill in those gaps for each other in terms of our personal relationships with God. If there's something that really happens that really messes both of us up, we come together and provide what we need for each other. And so I think we both recognize that and don't find it something we have to address regularly, but we're both confident in the spiritual being and the religious values that we hold. And we know that that's really not going to cause a lot of turbulence. So I do think that in terms of deep compatibility, even though our nurturing was not the same, I think that how that resulted in our vision and in our spirituality, who we are and our core identities, I think are very aligned. That's one of the things I mean about how finding common ground isn't necessarily about finding similarities because our nurturing is very different, but it still makes us compatible. Doesn't mean we were raised the same way or had the same experiences, but at the end of the day, the person that made me is compatible with the person that made you and vice versa. At the end of the last episode, I asked the question, are you truly compatible with the people in your life? With the people, the situations, the relationships? If not, then what? And the answer to that, then what, is make a choice. Do you deepen the relationship? Do you find common ground? Do you work to build a relationship that works despite any potential incompatibility? As humans, we have the choice. We can choose someone to be in our life regardless of what the compatibility measures say. But if this person that you're measuring your compatibility with really isn't worth it in the big picture of what you want for your life, you have to make the choice. You have to set the boundaries. You have to communicate your actions gently. And they may still react poorly, but as we've said a million times, you can only control you and what you do, what you say, what you allow, what you tolerate, and what you invest your energy in. This was episode nine of the Secrets of a Conflict Coach podcast. And a gigantic thank you to my husband, Gage, for joining me for the season finale episode. I know you think that your support isn't a big deal, but it really means the world to me. We wish you beautiful people a beautiful week, and I will see you next season. As always, I'm Hannah, your conflict coach. I always love hearing your questions and feedback and responding to you guys, so don't hesitate to reach out to me. My email address and my socials are on my link tree, which should be linked in the description no matter where you're listening. Love you all. Thank you.